Hello, and welcome to The Weekend Starts on Wednesday. Welcome back to another episode of The Weekend Starts on Wednesday. My name is Patrick Arias, and it is my pleasure to be your tour guide as we break down and discuss this weekend's hot picks and bold predictions. We are dedicated to covering all the best games and sporting events taking place from Wednesday to Sunday. I am usually joined by my three co-hosts. This week, we are down a man. Champagne Chauncey could not be with us this evening, but I'm still joined by Andres, the Cavalier King, and Bryant, first prize Flores. This week, we do have a very special guest who will join us for an exclusive horse racing related interview in honor of the Kentucky Derby taking place this Saturday. But also in this week's episode, Andres explains how a man helped his son bowl a perfect game from the grave. Flores and Andres, our Niners fans on the panel, talk about who they want with the third overall pick in the NFL draft. I am extremely disappointed in my Dodgers, but why? And yes, I will get into the top baseball series taking place this weekend. We have a lot more to discuss. We have a lot to go over. We're going to get into all this and we're going to answer all these questions after a quick message from our sponsor. Let's kick off the show with something extremely related to Los Angeles sports. That is the Los Angeles Dodgers, more specifically, their super fan who became famous over the last few days. His name is Doug Pyle, P-Y-L-E. He's a 17-year-old junior at LaSalle Prep in Pasadena. And from the article, him and his mom attended the game. I believe the game was on Sunday where he did this. So on Sunday night, he caught Fernando Tatis home run ball. He threw it back. And then he caught Chris Taylor's home run ball, which he kept. So um, the home run seats paid it paid off because um, I don't know if you guys know, but there's a new section called the home run seats at Dodger Stadium. They're a little expensive. They're right there. You can easily catch a home run ball. So Doug caught two of them. But the reason why Doug's a hero is because not only did he please the crowd by throwing Fernando Tatis's ball back, he didn't say anything, but it wasn't the ball that he caught that he threw back. He had a ball already in his pocket, ready to go in case this event happened. So he catches Fernando Tatis's ball. He keeps it. He swaps it out with the ball that he caught in batting practice, throws that ball back. The crowd cheers. Everybody's all excited for Doug. And then he catches Chris Taylor's home run ball. And people like me that were watching the game were like, oh, there you go. That's that's uh, poetic justice right there for throwing back Tatis's ball. I had no idea that he did not throw it back. So he's a hero for two reasons. You know, he tricked everybody. He kept both real game balls. And um, he was able to still make it out of there without getting booed. Because tradition states, Flores, that when you catch a home run ball from an opposing team, you're supposed to throw the ball back. So, um, Doug, you're my hero, and I guess you play baseball. So um, you wanted to show the world what kind of arm you had by throwing the ball back. So you're my hero for for three reasons. And uh, I wanted to ask you, Flores, 
if you were to catch a home run ball from an opposing team, would you throw it back? That's so stupid to me. That is so beyond stupid to me because it's, first of all, it's a memory that you're catching a ball at a game, which there's people that have been going to games their whole lives and have never even caught a pregame warm up throw or uh, something that goes, it just, people don't catch balls. And when it pisses me off so much when, People catch a home run and then they do that. And I'm just like, dude, first of all, you're going to go home with nothing. Nobody's ever going to see this on TV. Randomly, you might get a situation like this where the guy actually gets a little bit of 15 minutes of fame. But for the most part, you get nothing out of doing that. And you can go home with, especially when it's like a known player like a Fernando Tatis or like back in the days, you know, you caught a Mark McGuire, you caught a Sammy Sosa ball, you're, you're at, you know, Bush Stadium. And you catch a Sammy Sosa ball and you throw it back. And it's like, dude, that could have been worth a lot of money one day. But because your pride told you to throw it back, now you're doing that and you're asked out of maybe catching Sammy Sosa's 50th home run ball in his supposedly second place of all time at the time with Mark McGuire when they had that run. So things like that just piss me off when it's the specific player, things like that. If it's a nobody if it's a really cool situation, I get it. But for the most part, in situations like that, just keep the memory. <laughs> Who cares about being the hero at the moment? You know what I mean? <laughs> um, but going into um, – and by the way, I did want to add, that guy's not even the coolest guy ever to do a ball trick. If you guys go online and you look up that little kid that gets a ball thrown – I don't even know what stadium it's at. He gets a ball thrown to him. Uh, must have been, you know, an out-of-play ball or something like that. It wasn't a live ball. Gets the ball thrown to him. He catches it, has another ball in his hand, turns around and throws that ball at this, like, blonde girl behind him. And the blonde girl's like, oh, my God, I can't believe this kid gave me this ball. And she's all like, oh, my God, this kid is the cutest. And the, guy, the kid's just feeling like the coolest guy ever when he just pretty much ball tricked her. And the ball he actually got from the game, he still has in his glove. It's a pretty famous video. You guys make sure you go check that out when you get a chance. Pretty hilarious. Because one of the girls that's sitting with the blonde girl is like, dude, I just saw him what he did, but I'm not going to say anything because that's the coolest shit I've ever seen a kid do. <laughs> um, but anyway, on to my highlight of the week since we last spoke. Somebody who's very, uh, very fond to me still in my opinion is the best left-handed pitcher in the national league west of the last 10 years you can't tell me otherwise madison bumgarner he's been making the rounds in the news for the first time since he got to arizona it seems because last week he pitched a no-hitter i don't care what people say he pitched a no-hitter but it will not go down in the history books as a no-hitter because the major leagues are dropping the ball here. I mean, I could have saved this for my scumbag, but I'm not because this is a very positive situation for me because Madison Bumgarner has been 2-6 and six with a 7.16 ERA in his 13 Arizona starts, and none have even gone six innings. So for him to turn it on for this one night and go back in time to his heyday and throw this no hitter. And, and honestly, the Braves must've been really off that day because they also were one hit in the game before that by Zach Galen. So 
For them to go 14 innings and only have one hit is pretty pathetic. But, again, we're going for the positive right now. We're talking about Madison Bumgarner. I just want to give him his props, give him his roses while he's still here in the major leagues (laughs) and say, dude, you just reemphasize why you're an absolute legend and you've had the whole baseball world talking about this stupid loophole that needs to be fixed because if you're forcing the team to play seven innings and that's all it is, then you better give credit to that team for everything that's done in those seven innings. So shout out Madison Bumgarner for coming through and being in the news again. Andres, you did not weigh in on the fantasy baseball chat about this. Do you think it's a no-hitter? Do you agree with Flores or do you disagree? No. It's got to go all nine for a no-hitter. <laughs> Sorry. You know, how many, you know how many games I've seen a pitcher go to the seventh and the eighth and then it's two outs in the ninth and he gives up a blooper hit? I mean, it's great for him to, to do pad his stats, sure, you know, get the W, whatever. I'm glad MLB made the right call. It's not a no-hitter. If this is the wrong call, Flores, and I feel your pain on it because you're a, a Andres, Andres, who is the all-time who is the all-time leader in home runs in one single season to you in Major League Baseball? Oh, Hank Aaron. In one season for oh uh, Maris, Roger Maris, though. Roger Maris, exactly. Yeah, 61. 61. It, yeah. Exactly. How many games yeah. more did he have? To play uh, with, as opposed yeah, to Babe with, Ruth. Yeah, it's, yeah you're a couple, okay. A couple of okay, yeah, your I, point I, is I, I ended. Understand. Your point is ended. Stop no, talking. Next. No, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, congratulations, Bob Garner. I'm just glad that the MLB <laughs> made the right choice in this. It's the first thing that they've done right all year. Because if not, then you have to add a lot of people back uh, into or into the Hall of Fame and not back into it, but into the Hall of Fame, like Pete Rose and uh, Sheila Show Jackson. But that's a topic for another day. Bumgarner, though, finally get them that W uh, in Arizona, though. That's big, considering that he was 2-8 and eight after that big contract and not doing anything. So, glad to see you're reviving your career. You still have more rings than Kershaw, so. And you're, and you're right, Flores. He's the best left-handed pitcher in the National League. Let's go. So, um, uh, let, let us hear your, your crazy hero, your crazy headline. It's very, um, I mean, I'll be honest. It's fucking weird. I read it. I read it. <laughs> It's unique. Uh, it's it's a story that no one ever thought could ever be written, but that's that's life for you. Uh, my headline is throwing a perfect, or sorry, excuse me, bowling a perfect game from the grave. Yes, that is correct. <laughs> a perfect game in bowling is is a score of three hundred. That means you have strikes, meaning you knock down all ten pins for every frame in bowling which is a total of, what, 10 frames. So um, John Hinkle Sr. and Junior. Junior was the bowler. Hinkle Sr. is the dead man. And the reason why he threw a game, (laughs) his father died uh, a couple years ago. His ashes, Flores, his ashes, he was cremated. His ashes were in the bowling ball, in the ball that his son threw this game of perfection. Hinkle Sr., his dad, had never thrown a perfect game in his life, never bowled a perfect game. Good bowler, though, from what is stated in the story, but never did it. And his son said, you know, he brought me into this game. I got to keep his memory around. 
they're able to fill the ball since the ball has three holes. If a bowler is bowls with two hands, which is allowed in the bowling administration or association, one of the holes, the thumb hole, has to be filled. Why? I have no idea. I'm not a professional bowler. I'm not Chris Paul. I, I don't know. But they, they filled it up, and he put his father's ashes into that hole, perfectly clean, sealed, delivered the whole nine yards. His dad from the grave helped them throw a 300 bowling ball game. And he just, I mean, what you can't write a better story. Father-son combo, helping one another from from beyond the realm. I, that, I mean, yeah, that's, that's, really that's cool. super. We, what, what's next? Somebody, is is Fernando Tatis Jr. going to hit a home run with Fernando Tatis Sr.'s leg bone when he passes away? <laughs> like, what is possibly going to come next after that? Jeez. Well, well, it's funny you speak about that because I don't know. Those who aren't aware, the game that Fernando Tatis hit two home runs in the same inning against the Dodger happened to be on the same day, just 20 years later, that his father hit two grand slams in the same inning against the Dodgers, and I was at that game. And it's a little weird and ironic. And Fernando Tatis Jr. did it off number 22 for the Dodgers. Ah, ah, you know what that tells me? That the Dodgers pitching fucking sucks. It does. <laughs> it does. It's like twenty years ago, and it still sucks twenty years later. Same story, <laughs> except there's like a there's been a four hundred million dollar renovation to the stadium since it's happened. I mean, whatever. They don't suck. I mean, I'm wearing the shirt. They won the World Series. I'm just a little mad with my Dodgers. Um, and we'll get into that later on in the show. So um, we have uh, Hinkle, Hinkle Jr. Senior throw a three hundred game. I think it's really weird, but that, that's a very hero story for me. So we have uh, Flores leading the charge with Madison Bumgarner. He's got the petition started that it is a no hitter. I am very impressed with Doug Pyle's um, antics and um, his heroic effort Sunday night. And uh, Andres, the Hinkleberry or the Hinkle, whatever they are, the, the perfect 300 bowler father-son duo. So those are last week's heroes and headlines. If you enjoy listening to the show, please subscribe to us on Instagram and Facebook. Just search Weekend Starts on Wednesday. You can keep up with all of our stories, all of our posts, and all of our predictions. Again, to keep up with all of our action and entertainment, Weekend Starts on Wednesday. It wouldn't be a Wednesday without our Wednesday hockey picks. If you've been following along, if you've been a loyal listener, you know that a couple weeks ago, all the lines hockey picks presented by the Lakari brothers, Nighttime Nick and Doubting Thomas have challenged the Cavalier King on dress to, I guess you can call a showdown. So they each get three picks every Wednesday. Whoever has the most correct at the end of the season collects $50. So, Andres, I'm going to read you Nick's picks. Nighttime Nick, 2.30 tomorrow afternoon, he's taking the Canucks to beat the Senators. At 4 p.m., he's taking the St. Louis Blues to beat the Wild. And at 6.30, he's taking the Colorado Avalanche to beat the Golden Knights. Moving over to Doubting Thomas, 5 p.m., he's taking the Maple Leafs to beat the Canadians. 
Seven o'clock, he's taking the Kings to beat the Ducks because he says, and I quote, I can't go against my blood. 7.30 p.m., the Coyotes <laughs> to beat the Sharks. So what are your picks, Andres? Let's hear them. Well, first and foremost, let's give a little reminder and recap. Who, who, who won last week or who had the most wins last week? You had the most wins. Very nice. Very nice. Um, so you went two for three. <laughs> Uh, so you have two correct picks. Started. Nick has two correct total picks, and Thomas has one. Okay, so here are my picks for tomorrow to continue this wonderful streak that I'm having and to show uh, all the lines, hockey boys, not men, uh, the, the true Cavalier King status. So the Kings over the Ducks is one. The Golden Knights over the, the – sorry, is that who I said, Pat? Yes. yes. The Golden Knights over the Avalanche. And the Wild over the Blues. This is going to be interesting because uh, Doubting Thomas, if I'm not mistaken, has the Avalanche over the Knights and the Blues over the Wild? Or is that Nighttime Nick? Nighttime Nick has that. Oh, good. So I'm going to clean get points on him. He's going to be on the bottom of the totem pole. I wonder if he's going to get a lot of sunshine being third third place on the bottom. <laughs> good. Solid pick. So um, thank you for uh, winning last week. Somebody cashed in because, like I said, it takes me – a little bit of time to put together those posts. Now, um, those games start in the afternoon. What starts earlier than that, Andres? How are you kicking off your sports weekend? With, you know, the greatest soccer tournament of all time, the European Champions League is in the semis tomorrow, 12 o'clock noon. Patrick Flores, get your beer ready. Sit in front of the TV. This is going to be a hell of a – this is going to be a doozy. This game is going to be great soccer tomorrow. We've got Paris, St. Germain versus Manchester City. I don't know, Pat. This game, this is going to be a good one. Uh, Man City is, I think, the better team of the two. But this game is being played in Paris, and something tells me that Paris is going to come up on top with Mbappe and Neymar. Neymar is probably going to pretend that he's hurt and fouled and do somersaults to get the card for the other player tomorrow. I like PSG to come up on top. 2-1 victory. Uh, I'm predicting that PSG will be in the finals of this year's Champions League and will go up against their former coach, who now coaches Chelsea on the other side of the bracket, uh, in Touche. Uh, I just think that's what's going to happen. It'd be a, a lovely, fitting story uh, to write about when it's all said and done. So, Great soccer tomorrow, Pat. Watch it. Great games. Great action. Beautiful goals. Beautiful plays. Yeah, I mean, Andres, I, 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 Andres, I love Champions League, but it is easily, easily the second best soccer tournament in the world. Nothing beats the World Cup, bro. Nothing. Just wanted to sure, throw that. You're in right. There. You're absolutely true. But the Champions League is is every year. I have to wait four years for the World Cup. That's the only even even more reason why the World Cup is better. <laughs> true, true. Um, so what I was just gonna say was I'm going with Man City, Andres. Man City has been hot. They've been consistent. PSG is starting to get hot at the right time. So we're gonna you know see who wins. We got to see what gives. Um, so the 4:30 game is uh, Flores. Take it away. We have the Lakers versus the Wizards. Why should the audience be watching this game? I mean, three months ago, 
nobody would have wanted to watch this. The Wizards were hot garbage. Everybody was talking about the demise of Russell Westbrook. Everybody was talking about where should Bradley Beal be traded to. And granted, they should still be saying those things about both of those players for the Washington Wizards. But nonetheless, the Wizards, they just reeled off, what was it, like 8-2 and two in their last 10 games? I think they might have won like eight straight of those. And, hey, man, the Lakers need a – they need a dub. <laughs> I mean, we're getting down to the end of the season – the Lakers do not want to be in a play-in scenario. I don't care what you say about it because the best <clears throat> the best you could do is seventh. And then seventh is probably playing either the Clippers or the Suns or the Jazz in the first round. And the worst thing you can do is pull the Clippers in round one of the NBA playoffs if you fall down to seventh or something like that. So the Lakers really need to turn it on. AD's back, but he's really been struggling, which, again, makes sense when you got to play yourself back into shape. They need to get LeBron back. But on the Wizards' side, dude, I need the Lakers to stomp the Wizards out because the Wizards have now overtaken the Bulls for the last play-in <laughs> spot in the East. Levine needs to come back. The Bulls have had some good wins recently, and they need to keep winning, and I need the Wizards to keep losing. So, Bradley Beal, please put up another 45-point game because your team, I think, in the times that you've put up over 40 points is like, I don't know, I, I think I saw like 1-12 in 12 or something like that in your career. So, do what you do, Beal. Westbrook, you're going to do what you do, but at the end of the day, I hope the Wizards take the L. <laughs> yeah, I mean, me too. Shit, we the Lakers, man. They're they're really making me nervous. They love doing this to me. Um, so we'll see what happens. Go Lakers, do it for Flores, and uh, let's throw it over to you, Andres. That concludes Wednesday's action. A lot of shit going down tomorrow, or if you're listening on Wednesday today. Um, yeah, the NFL- because the weekend starts on Wednesday, Pat. That's why there's a lot of shit. Yeah, <laughs> Thursdays or Fridays. The weekend starts on Wednesday. Why wait for Friday? Um, so the NFL draft is on Thursday and it's going to dominate Thursday and Friday. And I believe Saturday and Sunday, I don't know, but I'm going to shoot it over to you, Andres, to get the conversation started because you are wearing your 49ers sweatshirt. Are they actually going to draft somebody? Yes. Or are they going to trade it away? They will draft somebody. No, they're not going to trade away. I don't think they're going to trade away. You know, I, I, uh, it's hard to say the, the front office is trying to play. It's cool. They're not trying to show their hand on what they're going to do. They said that all five quarterbacks in the top five are going to fit our system. Sounds like a bunch of bullshit, a crock of shit in my eyes. They're, they're not going to get Trevor Lawrence. Let's just get that out of the picture. He's going to be number one. He's going to be hanging, kicking it with Urban Meyer in Jacksonville. Um, you know, it's really going to come down to – you know, either Mac Jones is what it looks like for the third pick for the Niners, Trey Trey Lance for North Dakota State, um, Justin Fields from Ohio State. But if I read between the lines, the way that Shanahan and, and Lynch and everybody in the front office is looking at this, I have a funny feeling that they might go with Mac Jones. There's nothing wrong with the kid. He's a winner. He knows what it's like to win championships at Alabama. This guy could be the next Brady, Pat. He's not athletic. We know that. 
we know he doesn't have the running uh, capabilities like uh, Trey Lance or Justin Fields. What, do I want Mac Jones? Not necessarily, no, because we don't have a front line to protect them. He's going to have to start running. We need somebody that's going to be able to adapt. I would much rather have Justin Fields, but I don't know how well he's going to be coming off of that injury, off of that surgery, if he's going to be effective. I personally think that I would rather go with Trey Lance because I like him. I think he's got a chip on his shoulder. He's got a lot of proof considering that he played a Division I AA school and not a D1 school. But who knows? I'm not. I'm not running it. I'm wearing my true Niners colors just because I'm a fan. But it's going to be interesting. I'm a little scared. I'm a little nervous. Flores, what do you think and say? And all of this nonsense. What's amazing and what's so awesome is that the 49ers essentially have the number one pick because they're the only one that anybody's talking about. Like you mentioned, those top two picks are already a given. Lawrence. And then Wilson, the BYU kid. So those are done. Those are just – and what's funny is that the 49ers are out here saying, hey, we're comfortable with five quarterbacks to, to draft any of five quarterbacks. And it's like, first of all, Shanahan and Lynch, you are not going to get the option of five quarterbacks. Why are you even looking at Trevor Lawrence? Why are you even looking at this kid from BYU when you're not going to get the chance to draft him? Why is that even part of the conversation? Because if either of those two falls to you, specifically Lawrence, you got to take that guy. Mm -hmm. So that that's out of that conversation. But nonetheless, it's just really cool that it, it kind of feels like the Pistons back in the day when the Pistons went to, I think it was... I don't know if they had won the title or gone to the Eastern Conference Finals. And then the very next year, they had the number two draft pick. And here's what happened that went wrong, is that they tried to go too crazy. They tried to go too out of the box. And they drafted Darko Milicic. <laughs> and it ended up being the worst, and yes, you can say that, the worst number two draft pick of all time, even more than Sam Bowie over Michael Jordan. Why? Because the Blazers missed out on Michael Jordan, but those Pistons missed out on Dwayne Wade, Carmelo Anthony, Chris Bosh, so many other all-stars. And that's why I think the 49ers in this situation, they have a team that is ready to win. They just need to play it safe. Shanahan has proven that he doesn't need a Deshaun Watson to make it to the Super Bowl and damn near win the whole thing. He just needs somebody good enough. He is a coach that will, he's going to pull from everywhere else and maximize that, the running game. They have all these weapons, and they do have a decent offensive line. I mean, they, they signed Trent Brown again. They, they're making things happen, and they just need somebody safe, in my opinion. So, I mean, Justin Fields looks awesome. Trey Lance, I really don't know much about him. But Mac Jones, I know, is A, a winner. B, every, I mean, dude, this guy pretty much was Joe Burrow last year when it came to all those stats, the victories, all that stuff. And everybody lauded Joe Burrow as easily the number one pick last year. So why are they not doing the same for Mac Jones this year? So, again, I... I I don't even believe that myself, that he's Joe Burrow's caliber, but I am using that as an argument for him. <laughs> but nonetheless, I just think they need it. I think they need to go safe. And you get Mac Jones in there, you run it back with Jimmy G this year, you let Mac learn what he needs to learn. 
if Jimmy gets injured, hey, it's go time. We have somebody that we can actually trust in, not C.J. Beathard and Nick Mullins, which I love those guys to death, but leave those guys in the practice squad this year, please. And Shanahan, they've already said it's his call. Whoever he decides to choose, they're going to run with it. The betting odds are in favor of Mac Jones, and it's for a reason. So I can see that happening. Now, going down to some of these other teams, shit, would I love if the 49ers drafted Kyle Pitts? Hell yeah, Mm because now you have Kittle and Pitts, but then you just traded a bunch of number one draft picks for a fucking tight end that you already have. So uh, as much as I would love to have that kid, I also think they do need to go quarterback, but the Falcons might pick him up at number four, or they might trade down to get, you know, draft picks and get another quarterback. You know, now that Matt Ryan's getting up there in age, there's a lot of stuff that that we can talk about too. The Bengals, are they going to draft a wide receiver to help Burrow? Are they going to draft some offensive line help? What are the Dolphins going to do at six? Is this where Devontae Smith goes, or is he going to keep falling even lower? Just a couple months ago, he was talked about top three, and now they're talking about him top 15. So, yeah, man, these wide receiver, these running backs, a lot of the times it's not smart to pick them top 10, top 15. But, hey, we'll, we'll see what happens. What are your thoughts on some of these other players, Pat? Well, I think that um, I would like to see my Cowboys take – either an offensive lineman or a defensive player. I don't care what position on defense. Just take somebody on defense. And then take an You're off- drafting 10. Yeah, so best available offensive lineman, best available defensive player, and you're set. That's what the Cowboys need. Um, they need offensive linemen to protect Dak. And going back to what you said, Flores, about the Bengals – I don't think that they should necessarily take a wide receiver because they have really good receivers right now that Joe Burrow can work with. So I think they're set there. If I was the Bengals, I would definitely take an offensive lineman. But the one thing that I had, so I have two cousins. They're both named Andrew. They're both Niners fans. And um, they told me that I was ridiculous for saying if the Niners were to pass up on Justin Fields, that the Niners were making a huge mistake. I said that the Niners are making a huge mistake if they pass up on Justin Fields because they, they would be considered overthinking it. Like, what more do they need to see from Justin Fields? And Andres, you touched on his injury. What exactly is wrong with him? How bad is it for them to pass him up completely if he's available? Um, if I'm not mistaken, Flores, he had a... I think it was like a hit. I could have sworn it was like a hip thing. Was it? But, it was. Jimmy with the yeah. stats will pull it up right now for me. Hold on. <laughs> uh. <laughs> but, but again, Pat, when that's a thing, period, and the thing that's caused you to not go back to the Super Bowl is your quarterback being injured, you take that into account. You know what I mean? Especially yeah. when you're going to get a guy that's just, it's, he's just reliable. That's what you want. Just somebody that's reliable. It's going to hand the ball off, not do too much. Also, get great percentage, throwing percentage, the completion percentage. And I feel like that's what Jones is. And yes, Fields and Lance have a much bigger upside. Don't get me wrong. But I just don't think that's what the Niners need. Yeah, well... 
I'm looking at the other quarterbacks in the division, and I guess the Niners are not looking at them, and they're just like, you know, we're, we want to be tunneled vision and stick with our game plan. We're not going to do what everyone else is doing and go after a, a fast mobile quarterback. You know, we're, we're going to stick with what we want to do, and I get that. I get that. So it's going to be exciting. Um, I am still on the um, bandwagon or the thought process that the Niners are too close to winning a Super Bowl. They're too much of a historic storied franchise to go with a quarterback. I am telling everybody right now, they're going to take the third pick. They're going to take Jimmy G. They're going to package him off, package that whole deal off for somebody that has played in the NFL for at least a couple years that has proven success. I'm not saying someone like Deshaun Watson, but it's going to be, I think they're going to package it off for somebody good because I don't see them rolling out there with a fresh rookie to win a super they're so close to winning a super bowl but that's just me i i don't know i think it would be too risky to to draft a, a rookie straight out of college to run your team um and and with with some of the injuries that you were talking about justin fields i mean we're talking about a rib injury a hip pointer that he had he had a right thumb sprain in december 2020 he sprained his left knee mcl at the end of the 2019 season I mean, he still played after, you know, um, the spraining his left knee MCL, and he still won the Big Ten Championship after that. But, again, man, this is a guy that, a kid that's already showing consistent nagging injuries that they may not keep him out of a game, but they're not allowing him to play 100%. And it, he might just be too brave for his own good, where he's he needs to carry the team. He needs to do all that. And that's great, but... Guess what? Now you may have just left your best years on the field in Ohio, in Ohio State as opposed to bringing them to the NFL. Andres, any final words on the NFL draft before we switch over to Friday? Uh, it's just it's going to be a wild one. I, I, anything can happen, so that's the great thing about the, the draft. Are you drinking whiskey like to, or IPA? No. No, I'm, uh, I'm drinking the champagne of beers uh, brought to you by MGD. Miller High Life. No, I'm talking about for Thursday. What are you drinking? Oh. Oh, I don't know. Uh, probably, probably whiskey. I'm gonna go with whiskey. There you go. I think it, dep- it, it, dep- it depends on who the Niners pick. That's what it, <laughs> that's what it, it does. Exactly. That's what it does. Because if not, I'll, I'll fucking pop a bottle of champagne if we get the right pick. If not, I'm drowning my sorrows and. So who is your who is your right pick? Then? Um, uh, I, you know, just say a name. Just say a name. I, it's either gonna have. To, uh, I'm torn between Mac Jones or Trey Lance, personally. Give me one of those names. I'm going Mac Jones. I'm gonna go with Mac Jones. All right. All right. So All right. let me quickly go over the Friday um, baseball series, and then we'll shoot it over back to you, Andres, for Saturday night's basketball action. So major series to watch for baseball this weekend. Of course, the Dodgers and Brewers start on Thursday. Both teams are right now um, at the top of their divisions. I don't know if they will both be in first place come Friday, but they are at the tops of their division. Um, The Yankees are taking on the Tigers, and if you've been paying attention at all to baseball, the Yankees have been terrible, but they are leveling up to 500. So what better way to give yourself a kickstart and turn your season around and to play the, tar- the play the Tigers. So if the Yankees win that series, they will be above 500 
on their way to a good season, just like everybody expected. And Flores' is uh, San Francisco Giants are taking on the San Diego Padres. And as mentioned... The both- best team, the best team in the major leagues. Let's make sure we, we call the Giants what they are. They, 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 have, they are the team with the best record in Major League Baseball. Make sure you announce that properly. And well, they have been overperforming to the expectations so far. And um, this is great. <laughs> I mean, this is this is West Coast Baseball. We are, you know, taking over the uh, Major League Baseball. So the Giants versus the Padres. I am personally, as a baseball fan, I'm fully invested in that series because I want to see what's going on. So those are the series to watch. They all kick off Friday, except the Dodgers kicks off on Thursday. So Andres... Over to you for um, Saturday night. We did not forget about the Kentucky Derby. That is our exclusive interview coming up after this segment. So um, we'll get to that next. But Andres, Nuggets versus Clippers, 30 seconds. What's going on? The Clippers, baby. They're number three in the West. They're playing hot. They're doing well. You know it. I love it. Kawhi Leonard, Saturday night against the Jokic and Joker. This is a great game. Uh, you know, the Clippers are missing a couple players. No big deal. They'll get back right on track. I think they will definitely win. They're going to pull up the banners. They're going to win the West. They're two games out of that number one seed, Pat, but have no fear. They're going to leapfrog the Suns and the Jazz and take that number one seed. Look, I think the Clippers are going to go to the NBA Finals. No, they're not. I think they may even win it. I'm going to wear my Core Maggette jersey. My Brett Barry jersey. I'm going to bring out the old school dogs, the Baron Davises of the world, my Kawhi Leonard jersey. I'm going to wear it all. Clipper Nation, paint my fucking face red and blue for this game on Saturday night. Let's go, Clippers. <laughs> and the paint will then come off from the tears <laughs> after after Jokic gets a triple-double because Zubox can't fucking handle him. Um do they even have no, well, Zubac? They got Boogie Cousins now. Oh, that's but, right. Hey, they, got, hey, they got Cousins. Hey, you know he's going to throw a fight. He's going to throw some elbows. He's going to throw a punch. He might even bite somebody, Patty. He'll fucking bite the Joker, no problem. All right, well, speaking of even, fights. Even Flores is clapping for him. Even Flores is clapping for him. Speaking of fights, speaking of punches, what is going on Saturday night, Flores, in the world of boxing? All right, so we just came off of a great weekend. The UFC pay-per-view, it did not disappoint. We, that was, I mean, I didn't watch it because I was in Vegas, but my God, was that just thrilling, all the fights there. So shout out to the UFC for finally having full stadium where you can actually feel the energy. And a lot of these, you know, they were down in Florida, and a lot of these fights, like today, it was just announced that Floyd Mayweather uh, versus Logan Paul is back on, and they set it for Florida as well because – Hey, Florida's open. Dana White, after those fights, was saying that he's glad that Florida's doing their thing, that people in Florida are happy. If you wear a mask, cool. If you don't wear a mask, cool. Nobody's hating on one another, and that's why they made that happen. So just shout out to the UFC for what they did there this last weekend. Now, when it comes to this weekend, Carson, California, formerly known as the StubHub Center, Dignity Health, I think is what it's known as nowadays, they have a... Fox pay-per-view, PBC pay-per-view. For those of you that have been listening to us, for those of you that know this name, Andy Ruiz is getting back in the ring. He's fighting against Chris Ariola. I mean, you can argue these are the two best 
Mexican, Mexican-American heavyweights of all time, honestly. And then that's, I mean, that's saying a lot, but it's also not saying a lot because there's not a lot of big Mexican fighters there in the history of, uh, of, of the proud history of Mexican fighting. Um, but they have a pay-per-view. Andy Ruiz is coming off of the, you know, the loss that he had to Joshua after beating Joshua. He's down like 30, 40 pounds from the weight he was in that Joshua fight because he's now training with Canelo's trainer, Eddie Reynoso. He looks so he looks slim. good. He, he looks, he looks good. so good. He looks so good. And not only that, it's just, he's, look, man, this is what the benefit that Ryan Garcia has. This is the benefit that Oscar Valdez, who we talked about a couple of weeks ago, has is they're in there training with Canelo's trainer and they're in there training with Canelo, which Canelo's younger than, you know, most of these guys is only like 30 years old, which is almost the same age as Valdez. And obviously Ryan Garcia is way younger, but Andy Ruiz, I think, is a little older than that. But still, Canelo, as, as old slash young as he is at 30, he has a lot of experience, man. And, and you can see in there he's teaching Andy Ruiz how to duck certain things, how to expect certain things. So I, I fully expect Andy Ruiz to blow Chris Ariola out of the water. But nonetheless, it's a good fight to have. It's, you know, two Mexicans here in Southern California, in Los Angeles, with some fans back in attendance. I was looking at tickets, but the cheapest tickets were like 150 bucks each. And I'm like, no, nah, I'm good for this one. But nonetheless, Sebastian Fundora from Coachella is also fighting. He's a six foot seven, six foot seven, 154 pound kid. So just, just think about that for a second. Six, six foot, foot seven. seven? forget about sunday we only have 60 seconds so sunday 
12.30 p.m., the Nets take on the Bucks, And then at 4.30 p.m., the Trailblazers take on the Celtics. Andres, who do you have in both those games? Quickly, rapid fire. Uh, Celtics for sure, Pat. You know I got to root for them. And uh, I'm sorry, who was the last? Who was the first one? 12.30 p.m. is the Brooklyn Nets versus the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, the, the Nets. I can't stand the Bucks. Fuck Giannis. I'm taking the Nets. Full strength, no problem. Okay, so Full you're. Strength, no problem. Andres is the Nets and the Bucks. Flores, what does your parlay look like for Sunday? Um. All right. So first, I'm taking Brooklyn. Then I'm taking. You know, I'm taking Portland. And what are the third? What is the third game we're doing? That was it. Oh, just those two. You're right. You're right. And. Here's another quick tidbit on Portland. Damian Lillard tweeted at some fan that said, dude, I bet my house that you guys would win like 40-something games. I need you to handle it. And Damian Lillard tweeted back, say less. Hmm. After that tweet, after that tweet, the Blazers lost their next five games. So Blazers <laughs> definitely need to bounce back, and I think they will. All right, so um, that concludes the weekend sports entertainment. The weekend starts on Wednesday with Champions League. And the weekend ends with the Trailblazers taking on the Celtics. So there are two things that you might know for this weekend. Um, Number one, the Kentucky Derby is on Saturday. It's an all-day event, and it takes place in Louisville, Kentucky at Churchill Downs. And the second thing you might know is uh, horse racing is one of my favorite sports. And if there were a poll or a questionnaire that said, what sport can you live with if all the other ones had to disappear? My vote would honestly go to horse racing. I've always loved it. Um, I love how it starts at basically 1130 uh, noon during the day and it lasts all the way till sometimes six o'clock at night. So it's an all day event. And the exclusive interview that was mentioned was um, we actually have my dad here with us. Um, his, his name is also Patrick, Patrick Arias uh, Sr. And uh, he has some insight as to why horse racing might be my favorite sport. Thank you, Dad, for joining us. Welcome to the show. Well, thank you for having me. It's great to be here. So, Patrick, horse racing is in your blood. You know, <laughs> it's, it all started back in a little town in Chihuahua, Mexico, uh, Casas Grandes, uh, in northern part of Chihuahua. And that's where your great-grandfather lived with his sons. And uh, this, uh, your, your, my grandfather, your great grandfather, he was born in 1899. And at that time, you know, everybody rode horses back then, especially in Mexico, where there's hardly any roads out there where he worked um, in a hacienda. So they would ride to town on their horses. So um, my grandfather, he, he got to know how to take care of horses. And when he came to the United States with his four brothers, they worked out in the fields and they saved their money and um, they bought, you know, they lived in the desert under a mesquite tree. They bought a ranch and all four of them farmed it. And so they um, worked very hard in the hot summer sun out here in the desert, but they had to have some fun, you know. So <laughs> what they did for fun was they raced horses, you know. Uh, your great grandfather, Gabriel, um, he had a horse named Queenie. And um, this horse was really hard to beat because uh, Gabriel, your great-grandfather, he had a trainer, his cousin, Ernesto, from Mexico. And what Ernesto did 
he really wasn't a trainer. He just knew how to work horses. But I call him a trainer because he worked with Queenie, and he took him to this wash um, that's near the ranch, and it was sandy there, and he would run Queenie in the sand and make her muscles stronger, make her more uh, endurance with all this, you know, increase her endurance with all this running in the sand and everything. So Queenie got to be pretty strong. So uh, Queenie was the horse to beat because um, during the winter months, like after Christmas, January, February, March, on every Sunday, people from the area and Thermal and Oasis, all the farming community and all the ranchers, they would take their horses over there to our ranch, your grandpa's ranch, and they would race their horses. And uh, there was a lot of betting going on. So instead of going to Santa Anita to place your bet, they would just go, just go to the Adias ranch on Sundays during horse racing season, those three months, and they would place their bets, you know? So everybody had a good time horse racing, and grandpa, his younger son, Rudy, um, he was younger in stat. I mean, he was younger, one of the youngest and smallest in stature. So he was perfect to be a jockey. So Rudy was the jockey, you know, for Grandpa's horse. And but there's a story where one night um, Rudy came home really late. Uh, he was out partying. He went to Mexicali, which is like a two-hour drive from the ranch. You know, we're, we're, we're right by the Mexican border. So he went out with his friends. Came home really late. He was really hungover the next morning, and he didn't feel like racing. But Grandpa got him up. Hey, we got a race. So he did do the race, but Grandpa tied him to the horse to make sure he didn't fall off, you know? <laughs> so anyway, um, and another story is that, um, you know, Queenie had a reputation for being a, a horse to beat. So they brought in this horse from Mexico, and uh, the horse was quarantined at the border, you know, they don't just let any animals come across, you know, they would quarantine the horse, and then they brought him over to the ranch after that, and he raced against Queenie, this horse from Mexico, and of course, Queenie won, Queenie beat him, and that's the story, <laughs> that's the story, so then, um, so, you know, and when I was a, a kid, my dad, your grandpa, Pat, he had horses because he took after his dad and he had horses. And um, I, um, I missed the opportunity to appreciate having horses. I was a teenager. I didn't like feeding the horses, watering the horses. And then we had a pasture where we would grow alfalfa. We would bale the alfalfa and we would um, have to go out in the field and pick up the bales, the 100 pound bales of alfalfa, put them in a truck, take them and stack them by the horses. So it was a lot of work, and I should have appreciated having a horse to ride. You know, these were beautiful horses. We had like five horses, and I rode them once in a while, but not that much. So, you know, when you're a teenager, you miss out on a lot of good stuff that you really didn't know that was right in front of your eyes, and you really didn't take advantage of all the things that your parents, you know, gave you at that time. So anyway, Pat, that's why you like um, – Horse racing, because it's in your blood. <laughs> you used to see Grandpa riding in the parade on his horse, because he was a member of the channels. And uh, so uh, you probably remember the horses on the ranch, too. But, uh, yeah, they're um, they're beautiful animals, and that's probably why you love them, you know? Yeah, I don't, I don't know why, but my favorite part of the story is um, Uncle Rudy coming home drunk 
and he had to get tied to the horse the next day to make sure that he raced it okay. <laughs> yeah, make sure he didn't fall off and kill himself. <laughs> yeah. And then, Liz, can I ask a question for the uh, for the horse that you said that was beating everybody? That was kind of the horse around town. That, um, I I want to make sure I get the name right. Is it Clingy or, or what was the name of that horse? Queenie. Like Queenie. Queenie. Okay, Queenie. Queenie. All right, yeah. so... How long, because I know I'm not familiar with horse racing at all. We talked about this pre-show. I'm just kind of a novice when it comes to all this. And, you know, they say horses, they only run, you know, two to three years old and then that's it. And they have like a senior circuit for horses and a junior circuit. I don't understand any of that. But when it came to that horse, Queenie, how many years did she race? What ended up happening to the horse? Can you give us some insight there? Oh, yeah, that's a great question because, so my dad had this horse, Queenie, and it seemed like he had him forever, but her, forever, but he would name every horse he got Queenie, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so that answered the question. There, was, there were different horses he was training, but they were named Queenie, you know? Uh, it's, it's still there at the ranch then right now is what you're saying. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and you know when they had these races out there to get to the ranch, it was a dirt road, you know. And uh, they had a neighbor who drove a motor grader, and with these motor graders, you can dig into the dirt a couple inches and level off the dirt, dig into them. So what you end up with is a really hard, flat surface. So these horses they raced on really hard, flat surfaces, so they won't trip over anything, you know, and. And there were quarter horses, and quarter horses could do sprints up to like a quarter of a mile. They could run really fast, like up to 55 miles an hour in a quarter of a mile, and then they, they couldn't run anymore because they got tired, you know. So Queenie was a quarter horse, and, and she raced quarter horses out there in the, in the dirt roads by the ranch, you know. Nice. So, and, and, oh, my, my bad, Andres. Let me just ask one last question. Are you able to look at a horse and know whether it's fast or not? Like a human, you can say, all right, that guy's a little fat, that guy's a little skinnier, that guy's faster probably. Can you tell that with a horse just by looking at them if they're fast or not? You know, um, probably an expert could, you know, an expert can, but, you know, I, I can't. Um, okay, okay. That's why I lose a lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Mr. Uh, how often would you bet on Queenie? With all the time, whenever she raised, you knew that she was going to win no matter what. So oh you well, you know this house. was this was before my time. This was in 1960, so I was born in 1957. So I was only three years old, you know, when this was happening. You know, I'm so, sure I'm sure you're throwing out at least like three bottles of uh, milk out there for yourself to win back <laughs> six. <laughs> yeah. hey well no andres um it's i'm glad that you brought up the betting because my dad last night you know was telling me about uh i'm sure you've heard of it andres it's a it's a 42 dollar bet that he places um and it's a it's a seven horse exacta box dad is that what it's called yes when you make the bet you tell him i want to bet a one dollar exacta box on these seven horses you know and then you would pick the seven horses that you think are going to come in, and that would uh, cost you $42. Um, so one of your seven horses, maybe it's a long shot, you know, and 
or maybe a couple of them are, and maybe um, that long shot comes in first or second because these seven horses, they got to come either come in either first or second. doesn't matter who comes in first, who comes in second. But one of those seven horses has to come in first or second. And if the long shot comes in first, well, you got a big payoff, you know, and it only costs you 42 bucks for that bet. Yeah, so um, the – can you guys hear me? Yeah. Oh, okay, so there is a um, – it's so I guess we can talk about the bets real quickly with what we're gonna do for Saturday or what we would suggest because um I was looking at the horses and it looks like Bob Baffert, the you know, the Nick Saban of horse trainers, um, he has his horse in, but his horse is not even in the top five. Uh his horse is called uh, Medina Spirit, and Medina Spirit is at fifteen to one odds, Dad. So if you're doing one of those seven uh, horse boxes, Medina Spirit, Bob Baffert's horse, five starts, and he's placed in all five starts. So he would be a solid one to kind of get you a nice payout. And the other horse that I was looking for, or the other trainer named Chad Brown, his horse is called Highly Motivated, and Highly Motivated is a 10 to 1 payout. So Chad Brown um, Flores is kind of like uh, the Dabo Sweeney of horse trainers, whereas uh, Bob Baffert is like Nick Saban. So they're both really good and they have, they're coming with high payouts. And then you have the favorites right now who are Essential Quality, Rock Your World, Hot Rod Charlie, and Known Agenda. So dad, when, when I see you this weekend, I'm going to put together this list and we'll get, we'll get together this bet because Bob Baffert and Chad Brown having high payout horses, as I guess you can call them long shots, they kind of make things interesting, Andres. What do you, uh, did you do your little bit of research on your bets? I, I was just looking at it right now. Um, I think Bob Baffert at 15 to one with Medina Spirit. I saw him run the other day, uh, not the other day, but a couple of weeks ago to qualify for the Kentucky Derby. A good looking horse, uh, probably not Baffert's best horse in his arsenal, but he's only got one, but I like the 15 to one odds. I love the fact that he's, place in all of them i do like your dad's 42 dollar bet considering that i got seven horses out of the 20 that are in the race so yeah i like my chances at 15 to 1 um the ones that stood out to me with odds and then got me thinking with your dad's bet was uh doug o'neill's horse um, is the hot rod charlie only because he's got flavi and pratt and pratt's one of the best riders in all of santa anita uh, he's been in the game forever i like the way that he rides uh, I like the odds, eight to one, so throw them in there as well. Um, and the la- the other one too that caught my eye would be uh, Man Mandaloon, who's fifteen to one. But I like the writer in Florent, Jay Rue. Uh, he also rides out of um, out of Santa Anita, but also which uh, Oaklawn. And so he's a good rider as well. And then the last one too is known agenda, the number one horse. Todd Pletcher is a hell of a trainer, but I really like his jockey and Irod Ortiz Jr. Runs a lot out of um, Florida as well as in New York and Saratoga. So I do like them uh, as well. So I might add known agenda, uh, Mandaloan, uh, essential quality. Who's a favorite rocker world. Yeah. Hot Rod Charlie and Medina Spirit. I think that's where I'm gonna go with for my seven 
uh, exact the box um, forty-two dollar bet. Andres, you said that you saw this horse run a couple weeks ago, preparing for the. Where the hell did you see that? Did you, were you live? Where do you see that on TV? I never see horse oh, racing it was, on TV. <laughs> it was it was on uh, Fox Sports One. So they have to run these little small races to qualify for the Kentucky Derby. And there's many races across the country. So Santa Anita had theirs, the uh, Santa Anita Derby. Um, it's always it's like the Oakland. Keeneland is another one that has it. Uh, I know Chauncey in the, in the past, we've talked about Keeneland and how much that's a very pretty uh, uh, stadium to go to for horse racing as a track. Too bad he's on here. I'm sure he's, he's getting ready for this weekend. He's already making the mint juleps as we speak for Saturday. Pressing his suit, getting his hat ready. So yeah, I know Chance is definitely this bad boy. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, did you talk to your friend uh, Wayne, Dad, about his bets or not yet? Yeah, I talked to Wayne, and he said that the horse that he would pick is out for an injury. So he says he probably won't bet uh, because he likes Santa Anita better because he knows the horses at Santa Anita more than he does over there because they come from all over for the derby and but um yeah the horse he was going to pick got hurt so he doesn't know which ones to pick now one of my um one of my dad's best friends grew up right down the street from santa anita so um he he talks to my dad a lot about horse racing and um my dad really kind of exposed me to it um i mean he waited till i was 18 and he took me to what is it hollywood park right there hollywood but park. in inglewood and um needless to say like i i won like one of the first few bets that i did and i was like oh this is easy like you all you gotta do is do this and i was wrong because it's not easy i just got beginner's luck but um <laughs> you, you haven't won since <laughs> yeah, so, <laughs> so um yeah dad um thank you for telling the story about uh queenie and uh her legacy out there in thermal and uh, yeah, that does explain why I really love um, horse racing. So thank you again for coming on to the show with us. All right. Thank you for having me. You guys are doing a great job. So now I know how it's going to feel. I think I'm going to get famous after being on your show here. So <laughs> now I'm going to know how you guys feel. You know? <laughs> I can't wait. I'd love for you to get famous. And if you do, we'll get you a big old bobblehead with the movie and such a one shirt on it. <laughs> okay. All right, All right Dad. Right, I'll talk to you later. All right. Bye. Flores, please tell me you watched the UFC fight this past weekend. I know we talked about it. I know you were going to be glued to the TV. You weren't going to leave your chair. You had uh, uh, everything in the world next to your sodas, your, your beers, your water. <laughs> that's, uh, literally, that's literally me I, every single weekend except this damn weekend that just happened because i was in vegas uh, trying to be the king of the slots and man oh, I, can't right. I, mi I can't believe i missed this ufc card man we we called it we called two out of the three that parlay was looking uh, nice i was looking uh, good no. I, I i took a nap i went golfing i, I fell asleep i passed out because it was too damn hot from drinking at the worst golf course i ever played this past weekend don't ever go there it's in carson uh looked like i was playing in a war zone but the um the twelfth uh, hole the twelfth hole looked like the top of LeBron's hair. Uh, 
it was just there was it was just awful. It was awful. It looked like we were playing in the middle of DMZ, and there was just bombs that just cut off. There was there was no grass on the fairways. It was just awful. Anyway, that's the, I don't want. That's not going to be my scumbag. The scumbag is Masvidal. Just because I had the parlay, uh, Mama Rose Judas looked great. She knocked out. Shanko did her job. I needed one more to hit the hit Masvidal. I don't understand it. I don't understand fighters going into the fight. They have this cockiness. I get it. But don't ever put your guard down, especially to the champ. And Masvidal in the second round had his hands down the whole time. I don't know what he was thinking. I don't know if he just got cocky, if he was in his head. Dude, just put your hands up. He gets cracked. Just lights out with the right hook with Ninganu and, I mean, Usman. And he... That reach, that damn fucking reach. We talk about it. That two inches got him in the knee, in the fucking chin, knocked him out. Good night, Masvidal. Good night, parlay. I tore my ticket up. I went back, tried to go back to sleep. It was just awful, Masvidal. <laughs> you pissed me off. I thought you were going to be a better showing, but you ended up pulling a Conor McGregor, thinking that you're hot shit, and it just backfired, my man. Just backfired, Florence. And, and I know that. Usman and Ngannou are like BFFs right now, so I can see how you would confuse them. They're like everywhere. It's like the greatest uh, brotherhood showing in UFC history that these two guys are top three, top four pound for pound and are like BFFs. It's hilarious. But uh, regarding the fight, I mean, dude, Masvidal was a three-to-one underdog for a reason. And, And him putting his hands down, is to his benefit in that fight. The reason why is because what Usman wants to do is not to trade. That's not what Usman did at all in the first fight. So Masvidal is using that to his advantage. Like, hey, let me let me lure this guy in. Let me do what I do, which is to trade blows instead of having him stop throwing blows because my defense is up and instead trying to take me down, which is to Usman's advantage. So... I mean, to Masvidal's credit, he's taking this loss in stride. He's said all the right things. He's like, look, man, I'm a fan of the game. And they hugged afterwards. Masvidal gave him all the respect and continues to give him all the respect. He's like, look, that was a perfect shot. He kept setting me up, throwing to the body, throwing to the body. So my hands would be down. And then he just came perfect right down the pipe, right down the middle, right into the chin, like you said, and it knocked him out cold. It turned the lights off. Masvidal had not been knocked out in UFC, in his time at the UFC. And it was, I can't believe I missed that. I mean, between that and and Weidman snapping his leg, which is the craziest thing ever, not because a UFC fighter snapped his leg again, but because of the fact that it's, Chris Weidman, the only guy I've ever seen it happen to was Anderson Silva against Chris Weidman. And then it happens to Chris Weidman. So that injury to me is also a scumbag that needed to be called out because that is a horrendous injury. Probably ends Weidman's career. He was pushing to try to get another title shot. I mean, I probably would have called four of those five fights because I had Smith winning. I just didn't put a parlay in because I was too busy just on the slots, dude. I'm telling you, this was the slots weekend in Vegas, but I had Smith winning. I had Hall winning, Shevchenko winning, Rose winning. 
<clears throat> and honestly, at that point, if I would have been doing a parlay, I would have just thrown Usman in there instead of Masvidal because I would have been too scared for Masvidal to ruin my five-fighter parlay, which he did, unfortunately. But, hey, man, it's it's the fight game. Those things happen. Flores, you keep talking about this wonderful slot machine weekend. What was, your, what was the slots of choice for the whole weekend? Yeah, I want to know. The Dragon Link. So I'm going to tell you guys, I, I found this guy, D the letter D like dog, D lucky slots on Instagram. This guy has two million, two million followers. Check his page out. All he does is say, just like that. Just like that. He sounds like um, the Asian guy from the hangover. I, I'm forgetting his name. Ciao. Yeah. Ciao. He sounds exactly like that guy. <laughs> and it makes it even more hilarious. But man, this guy gives, the best tips for slots. I had never won in slots. I hit a $450 jackpot. I hit another $400 jackpot. I hit a $250 jackpot. I hit a $220 jackpot and a $125 jackpot Damn. all in this weekend. And I still left in the negative. So I was playing a lot of slots. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> <laughs>2021 where mental health is a huge thing look i'm more of an old school guy i'm a guy that is hey look my dad works seven days a week my dad has always worked seven days a week rarely takes time off i grew up working with him my mentality is go to work no matter what happens go to work that's your responsibility as an adult go to work but i get the whole mental health thing Nonetheless, I still have to call the scumbag of the night, Ryan Garcia, man. He pulled out of his July 9th agreed-upon fight against Javier Fortuna wow. this week. He wrote in a post on Instagram, At this time, it is important to manage my health and well-being. I've decided to take some time off to focus on becoming a stronger version of myself. I hope to be back soon. I'm looking forward to stepping back into the ring when I'm my healthiest self. Look, bro, again, I just said it. I get it. But at the same time, why would you sign up for the fight? He, this fight was just agreed upon like three weeks ago after all kinds of talk of Ryan Garcia. He even posted him fighting Manny Pacquiao like three months ago, and then that never happened. He was talking about fighting Devin Haney, who's a champion and another pound-for-pound -pound guy in his division. That never happened. And now he's fighting, granted, a good fighter, but still not one of the caliber that he was talking all kinds of smack about. And I never talked the smack about him for that. I said, hey, this is still a great fight for him to have. But then he pulls out of the fight. I get it. It's a couple of months away, like three, four months away. So it's not like it's around the corner. It's not like anybody has spent any money on the tickets yet. It's not like anybody had made any plans to go on the vacation yet to get there. But... Come on, man. If you're talking all this stuff, trying to hype yourself up, you're just coming off the biggest victory of your career, and then you're coming up with an excuse of, hey, I'm just not in the right mindset. You are a professional athlete. You get paid millions of dollars for a reason. I don't take lightly to these professional athletes sometimes 
having these issues where, hey, I'm also a normal human being. No, the fuck you are not. You are getting paid millions and millions and millions of dollars that the normal person would kill to have just to go out there and entertain. And yes, you do work a lot. You travel a lot. But that's also why, again, you get paid millions and millions of dollars. So I'm not here for the crybaby stuff. Man up. Go do your job. Why would you sign up for the fight if you're not going to take it? That's my two cents. He he's done one. What well, he's done one fight though in the last like what year? Yeah, but it was COVID, so you can't blame him for for that part of it. I guess that's true. Flores, what what is, what's going on in, within the camp of his? Is it is it issue? Here's the thing: his, his, his promotion. No, I mean like he's promoter. He's had issues with De La Hoya. It's not that because they they ironed that whole thing out, and that's why they got this fight signed up. It might be him getting back at De La Hoya. That's the only thing I might be able to come up with because again, they're just not on the same page. He was saying, "Look, Ryan Garcia, before signing up for this fight, look, I'm not here." Fortuna, who's the name of the guy he's, he was supposed to fight, doesn't do anything for me. He doesn't excite me. He doesn't. You know, get me motivated. These big fights get me motivated. He said that literally like four months ago. And then a month later, he's signing up to fight Javier Fortuna. So it might be something related to that where he's just getting back at De La Hoya because these fighters do that. They That's the only power they have, just like Le'Veon Bell had, just like all these NFL players have and, and, and basketball players where they just they sit out. That's the only thing they can do, except with the boxer. You might be sitting out like what happened with Andre Ward, where it's you're you're sitting out two three years just because of your contract dispute. Instead of going in and fighting for those two three years, making the money, making more of a name for yourself, and then at the end of those two three years, you still are able to be free and go make more money, like Floyd did, like Oscar De La Hoya did himself, things like that. So that's the only thing I can see, especially because his trainer is Canelo's trainer, Eddie Reynoso, and Eddie Reynoso came out was and and posted like. Look, man, we got your back 100%. Do what you need to do. We know that when you come back, you're going to be the best fighter in the world. So his trainer has his back. Oscar De La Hoya, I haven't seen him necessarily post anything because Oscar De La Hoya is just focused on training himself for his own comeback right now. So that's the only thing I can think is his way of getting back at De La Hoya, I guess. Yeah, um, I... I was excited for the fight, and uh, to be honest, I didn't even know that it was canceled until right now. So, thank you for sharing that. And uh, as we've discussed in the past, the scumbag of the night is the individual responsible for ruining your sports happiness. Um, they could ruin your your bet, your fantasy baseball team, your fantasy football team, or they can make the headlines for all the wrong reasons. And my scumbag is um, scumbags is the entire team of the shirt that I'm wearing the Los Angeles Dodgers. They ruined my sports happiness and um, they had a four game series with the Padres Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And um, they, they lost three out of four. And it, 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 I know that they still have 12 more games to play the Padres, but this was officially a seven game series. If you count opening weekend series and we lost the series. We lost four out of seven. So um, that's the way I look at shit because I like to keep my team um, very, very much in check. And the glaring statistics are the runners in scoring position that were left. So over the last five games, this is including 
Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and yesterday's game against Cincinnati, they had 53 opportunities with runners in scoring position. So that means they're on second or third. And they only cashed in nine out of 53 times. And they left 52 men on base, Andres. So that is over 10 runners a game that they left on base. So they're supposed to be hot right now. The season just started. There is no dog days of summer. They just, they choked. They choked at home, at the ravine, and uh, they're my scumbags. The the, the reason why this is so beautiful is because just going into the weekend, just as recently as like four or five days ago, everybody in L.A., all over the radio, the Dodgers were 14-4. and They were hands down the best record in the majors. And remember, we talked about it last week, that the Giants were second, essentially, in in the National League and third in the majors when it came to their record. But everybody was like, the Dodgers are so going to break the record of most wins in a the season. They're definitely going to hit the over on the, I think it was 104 or 106 games, the over-under that Vegas had them for. Everybody was saying this might be the best team of all time. This is going to be a better team than the Yankees that won, what it was, like 112, 116 games. This is going to be the best team of all time. And now they're tied with the Giants for first place (laughs) in the major leagues just a couple of days later. And nobody is saying what they were saying just four or five days ago. Why? Because the bullpen is absolute horseshit. And the team, other than that's okay. Well, yeah, I mean, Jensen's got to go. I'm sure... uh... He's your best reliever. What do you mean? He he choked. He choked. I'm sure Champagne Chauncey was screaming at the TV on Sunday night. He's probably going bald from pulling his hair and screaming at Jansen. Um, We also are missing our, you know, our best hitter. Well, one of our best hitters. He's out for however long with that broken fibula in uh, Belly Bomb and Bellinger. So there is no, you cannot say anything about injuries with the Dodgers. They are so stacked that. Having, not having yeah. Bellinger literally means nothing, dude. They And you know what the funniest game of this weekend was? When the fucking Padres were down 7-1. to one Sunday. And still won that game. That is so... I Oh, this is what... That day, me and my wife, we were watching the game. We are like, all right, this game's over. Let's switch over, watch Mortal Kombat on HBO Max. <laughs> we saw the movie. We turned the TV back on. And it's fucking extra innings, and the Dodgers are about to lose. It was the funniest thing ever to me. I'm so glad that happened. Well, you know, I'm I'm here for it. I know the Dodgers will be <laughs> up there. Um, but like we touched upon, I want them to be battle-tested. And, you know, it was like a playoff series, playoff atmosphere, and these youngsters that are taking the place of Bellinger – um, you know, they need to get exposure. They need big at bats and, um, fuck it, dude. I mean, we got, we got 12 more games against the Padres. We got a whole season ahead of us. Big series, uh, coming up this weekend against the Brewers who are also a top team in uh, the national league central. So let's get to it. Like let's get battle tested Dodgers. The funniest memory I ever had at Dodger stadium was when Adrian Gonzalez walked up to bat. This big, huge cholo stands up, and he was drunk, and he yells, "Come on, Adrian, stop bullshitting already!" But he yells it so loud, and it just echoes through the stadium. 
And that's what my message is to the Dodgers. Stop bullshitting already and let's go. So those are the scumbags of the night. And uh, this, I believe this was the 97th show. So um, thank you for listening. Uh, Our listeners are always going to be our heroes, never the scumbags. And uh, Andres, any final words? You look like you have something to say. No, just uh, thank you. Have a great weekend. Good luck on bets. And uh, don't play at shitty golf courses. Flores? I just can't wait to put my $42 bet in. (laughs) There you go. So, um, yes, we will see you guys next week. If you're going to place any bets, good luck.